Hey there, it's Craig Ansell from the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I have a simple question for you. Do you really, I mean really, like the job that you do? Do you really like or even love what you do? If so, you might want to become an expert in your field. There are several ways to do this correctly and a few ways not to. Join me to find out more. I was an engineer and in 2008 lost my job due to the economic collapse. Jobs were scarce. I didn't know where to turn to get help updating my resume. Online services and coaches charge hundreds, even thousands of dollars. I took matters into my own hands and learned how to craft interview-winning resumes. Shortly later, I landed a job with a Fortune 500 company. I've helped many achieve similar success. Now I share my tips to create interview-winning resumes, interviewing excellence, and high-performance growth strategies on my podcast, Career Growth Made Easy. Welcome back to the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Craig Ansell. You're joining me today for a show on becoming an expert. Now, when you first hear that word, you might think, whoa, Craig, I think you shared on a prior show that one of the phrases you used was, you don't believe in experts. Well, partly that's true. The reason is that when we hang the expert or expertise title on our names, sometimes we choose to stop learning. We think we know it all. So that's just an initial warning for today's show. If you happen to be an expert in your field or have an expertise in your job matter, your subject matter, that's great. Just don't forget the learning shouldn't stop because the world's evolving, things are changing, and you'll always need to stay on the cutting edge to be in that expert level status. But more for today's show, Becoming an Expert in Your Field. In an effort to become an expert in your field or your position, maybe your company, you might feel the urge to switch jobs frequently. The goal might be, I guess, to get a taste of everything in your company, taste all the jobs to positions, and make sure you know what they have to offer and where you fit in. It's admirable, honestly, that you have a broad focus and you want to try and do it all and learn it all so that you're kind of well-rounded. But unfortunately, sometimes that can be seen as job hopping. Switching roles or making yourself more experienced can be a great value adder for both you and your employer. However, you don't want to do it too frequently. I'd suggest you target staying in one position at least for a year or longer, the maximum probably being between three and five years before you transition out into a new role. Here's the thing. If you jump out of your job more frequently than once every year, you could build up a tarnished reputation and maybe be seen as someone that is not counted on. So here's the thing. You might be thinking you're picking up the job role really quickly. You're getting a handle on things. You're providing value to the company, enjoying yourself, and that's great. But just as you start to get involved in your role, just as you start to support the team and provide value, you're looking somewhere else. And that isn't always appealing to your employer. And don't forget, while your employer could be your company or a large corporation, you still have to work with the people around you, your peers, your colleagues. What would they think? If you switch things around and someone was watching you and you came new into the department and they vested and spent some time with you and you know onboarded you, brought you up to speed on their problems, their challenges, 
and as well as their best practices, just as you started to learn it, you're jumping ship, that might leave a sour taste in some of your colleagues' mouths. So anytime you think about gaining knowledge for expertise, going down that expert-level knowledge range or knowledge process, think about it long-term. What kind of background, what kind of history will people see when they look at your job record, possibly your LinkedIn profile, wherever you keep your career information? Is it going to show a slow and steady increase towards that vision, towards that goal of becoming an SME or subject matter expert? Or is it going to appear more like job hopping, where the jobs were disconnected and you're just trying one thing or another, trying to find your fit? So, Again, it's admirable if you are interested in multiple roles and wanting to uh, round yourself and polish things out. It's just a concern about the duration of how much time you spend in each department or each group. I hope that makes sense. Think of it as being a jack of all trades, but then also the phrase follows master of none. It's counterproductive to your goal of being a subject matter expert. Now, The reason why you might want to switch roles in the beginning to become a subject matter expert is find your true passion, find your true love. What you're happiest with, you may be able to be most productive with. What's the old saying? Find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Okay, that's a great saying. In all reality, we are working. Whether it's from working from home, alternate work locations, or we're back in the office, we are all working. We have to work to survive, right? unless you suddenly hit the lottery and you're great at budgeting. You need those two things, I think, to be successful. We've heard way too many stories of people coming into large sums of money, perhaps winning them, and then within a few years, they're broke. But anyway, that's a, excuse me, I, I diverge on that. So back to your idea, your passion becoming an expert. It's important to find something you love, but then stick with it. And If by chance you find something that is just the right career for you, the right path in your company or your corporation, stay there. Then what happens over time, you'll grow typically in your performance levels, such as from a project manager level one to a level two, possibly becoming a senior project manager, things of that nature. Or if you're an engineer in a technical field, you could be a entry-level engineer, move up into design, potentially become senior design possibly supervising engineer and then managing engineer, even director of engineering. So there are pathways. There are pathways for progression, no matter what your role is and no matter what you do. And by the way, it doesn't have to be in the office setting like I just referenced either. If you're out in the field, there are many ways, such as technician, level one, or coming in as a junior, level one, level two, etc. And then there's several levels for promotion. So if you just you have something that you really enjoy doing, that you're really curious about, and it's almost difficult to stop learning if you're like me, you know, an information bug, I just love learning, and, and not all people are, then that would be a great path for you to become an expert in your field. But I had a prior show, and I'll dig it up before the end. I might use the magic of pause and record to come back to you to see if I uh, can find that show. But becoming an expert is important for you and the product line or process that you support, along with the colleagues in your group. We can't forget, though, that we have customers both downstream and upstream of us. What that means is you don't want to be thinking of yourself as a subject matter expert in a silo. 
It's not just what you do. It's kind of like a blender. You lift off the top, you put the ingredients in, and then mix it all up, and then what comes out is the final product, okay? We don't want to work in silos, typically. Now, some companies do that. All they need is for you to produce and and perform, create, output, whatever it is that your specific job role is, and that works. But in other cases where you have teams and groups that count on each other for passing information back and forth or passing information through into the next group, it is more important that you are able to collaborate. Now, the way you can do that is understand what your upstream and downstream customers within your company need. Because most of the time, as I talk about it in the other show, most of us think about our customer as the end paying customer, the one that hired us at the counter, the one that's paying the bill, oh, the one that's going to sign the contract or the proposal, maybe issue the purchase order. That's not always the case. Yes, they're the paying customer, but there are so many levels of people involved from one end of the spectrum to the other that you should include them all. And when you know what your upstream and downstream customers need, you'll be able to fulfill your subject matter expertise in a better way. Sometimes when we're in a technical field such such as engineering, we only answer the question asked. And there's nothing wrong with that. Many people are raised that way. You're asked a specific technical question and you answer it. You don't elaborate. And in many cases, the answer is in short form. It's directly to the point. The difference, though, listening to this show, learning about subject matter expertise, talking about upstream and downstream customers, it comes down to understanding a little bit more than just technical knowledge and answering the question at hand. It comes down to using your emotional intelligence. And I'm going to talk more about that in an upcoming show. The point behind the emotional intelligence is that you're not just addressing the question. Now, if it was written down on paper, I get it. If it's submitted through a computer system as an engineering request or a technical request, you can't do much with that because unless you can read through the writing and see the emotions, the concerns in that question, you're going to break it down and simply answer what was asked. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you have the opportunity to work with people and hear their emotions, hear their concerns, where they changed their temperament in their voice, were certain words spoken louder than others, was there a question in their tone? These are the things that can lead you down a different path of answering that question and potentially asking for follow-up information. So it's really about, yes, doing your job, doing what you love. You'll never work a day in your life becoming that expert, gaining expertise knowledge. But it's also about strong communication skills, in my opinion. So, thinking about expertise, if we pause a moment, what are you really, really good at? What's your passion? Now, right now, this moment that you're listening to this show, you might be in a job, you might be in a role, or working for a company that doesn't feel good for you, that doesn't connect. It could be, unfortunately, a placeholder, right? It's something that pays the bills temporarily while you're in high school, while you're in college, while you're out the first time in, you know, job force. Not a problem. We've all done that, I feel. I know I have. I've worked in fast food. Heck, I've worked in a tri-state area working in uh, carpets and handmade rugs. And I learned a heck of a lot about handmade rugs, by the way, from all over the world. It was an awesome job, something I didn't expect working at a carpet and rug store. But hey, there's other jobs I've held too. The point, though, is I started finding myself and seeing what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. 
So maybe you're in a job role that there isn't a path for progression, becoming promoted and earning and learning your expertise. That could be a warning flag for you. Just kind of put that to the side and say, you know what, Craig? This is a good job for now. It pays the bills and I get along with the team, but it may not be my lifelong job. It may not be my career job. You know, it may hurt to say that and it may hurt to think that, but if there's something going on inside of you that triggers some level of emotion or triggers some kind of concern, sit down when you're on your break or sit down on your day off and kind of think about it. What are the parts of your job that you enjoy and what are the parts of the job that you don't enjoy or that bother you or concern you? Kind of twist your gut, if you will, leave a sour taste in your mouth. So that's thinking about your job, but then more about your expertise. You know, your expertise can be found in your personal life also. Sometimes your personal life and your job are not well aligned. And with that said, they're totally contrasting. If you really enjoy doing the things that you do, that was an interesting sentence. If you really enjoy doing the things that you do, next on Career Growth Made Easy, if you really enjoy these things, then stop and ask yourself, even if it's for your personal nature, why do you enjoy doing these things? What is in it that triggers you, that excites you, that brings energy? And so if you dig down deep inside yourself, you might find there are particular things in, that you're doing that you weren't aware of, that you're really great at, or that pull out the best in you, that really make you shine. For example, many of you know my day, my day job, if I can find my words, my day job is working as a senior project manager. When I wake up in the morning, I don't know specifically what I'm going to be doing. I know my general job description, but because of the position that I'm in and working with customers all over the world, challenges can arise, even with the best planning and the best team members. Issues can arise, even using risk mitigation, which I've talked about before, trying to prevent things from happening. And if they do occur, then they become an issue. How do you handle that? Do you have issue management in place, risk management in place? But I, I digress. I don't know specifically what I'm going to do in the morning. I have a general idea of the things that I'm responsible for and the actions I have to take, but a phone call, an email, a text at any moment could disrupt my day and cause me to focus and go into recovery mode at any time. Now, take that and look at, is Craig happy when he's a project manager? Does he enjoy his job? The question there is answered absolutely yes. I smile and I'm happy and I enjoy serving my customers, my true end paying customer, as well as my upstream and downstream customer. I love what I do. However, our company, as I've mentioned before, also has a mentoring and coaching program internally. Sometimes when I'm mentoring people and the light bulb goes off in their heads and sometimes I learn something from them and the light bulb goes off in my head, I was told I just smile a little bit bigger when it comes to mentoring or coaching. That could be a hint for you as well. When do you smile, almost feel a little excited inside? What triggers you? Well, you're going to have to figure that out. And then on the counterpart, are there times you're not smiling, almost frowning? Because human nature is just to have a neutral face. I think there was a movie and it said slack faces. I don't want to see any slack faces at my hotel counter desk, right? That just means neutral or slightly droopy because gravity is always affecting us, pulling our faces down. But the point is, if you feel yourself smiling when you're performing a certain work function or personal function... Think about it. Why? What drives you? Maybe that's something you enjoy so much. That's where your passion lies and you can undercover, uncover it. I got to tell you, for my next show, it's going to be Craig goes to school to learn how to speak clearly on a podcast. 
All right, back to the topic. The things that help you be happy inside and find yourself, those could be things you might want to focus on as your subject matter expertise. It may not be in the career field you're at, but it may be the contributions you make or you're seeing the outcome, the vision, what's going to happen at the end. And then on the counterpart, as I mentioned earlier, if there's things that sour you or that you find yourself pulling away from, not smiling, almost frowning, or being disappointed with doing, that could be indicators that you're not happy with that task or activity or in that role. If you don't know specifically what's happening, you'll need to break it down and just figure out what is at the core of your disappointment or dissatisfaction. So, in summary of today's show, talking about expertise. Remember, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a subject matter expert as long as you don't stop learning. That's my big message for today. Don't let the word expert on your job title or virtually proclaimed over your head, he's a subject matter expert, she's an expert in her field, let you be conned into thinking you know everything. You are the most knowledgeable in that field, yes, and I applaud you for that. But as your field grows, as life evolves, as the times change, so does the information, the processes, the data, and you need to stay on top of things. Otherwise, your subject matter level of expertise will start to dwindle. Does that make sense? I hope so. And then finally, how do you get that expertise? Changing your jobs, but without making it look like a job hopping routine, okay? I would suggest staying in a role at least one year with a maximum of three to five years so you build up your knowledge base, your network, your understanding of the position before you transition out into something else. I think that will also polish your resume. And if you use companies like LinkedIn for their social media postings, they'll see a general progression and expansion of your experience and knowledge, the value that you can bring to their company or to a future company. Thank you so much for listening to another show of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I am your host, Craig Ansell. I have one specific ask for you today. If you're enjoying this show, please do me a favor and share it with friends, family members. Just stop right now and share it. Pause the show and send it to someone. I would be honored to share our nearly 140 shows with new listeners and get some new subscribers. We'd love feedback once we get that out to your new friends and colleagues, and we can grow the show based on what you and others need. We are simply here to help and want to do everything we can within the confines of career growth made easy to help you grow personally and professionally. There's such a large overlap that we can grow in both together. Please share the episode today. I humbly request you, and I thank you so much for sticking on to the end and being a continuous listener of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. This is Craig Ansell signing off. God bless you. I'll catch you up next week. And I didn't forget, I went back into my podcast editorial calendar and found Level Up Your Customer Service. That's episode 21. That's where I talk in more detail about upstream and downstream customers, thinking about them and how you can satisfy them to maximize the value you bring to your organization and to your colleagues. That's episode 21, Level Up Your Customer Service. Thanks again for listening. See ya.